And I was reading in the hotel just not too long ago from the book of Acts. And another thing that was important in these old Scots-Irish Presbyterian revivals, whether it was in this part of Virginia or in Kentucky, uh, in the Cumberlands, or wherever it took place, listen to what it says in the book of Acts chapter 2, and let's read verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. Now you get around the move of the Holy Spirit and fear comes upon you. But it's not a fear in the I'm terrified. It's an awe. It's a wonderment that comes upon you. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now you have to understand what that scripture is talking about there. It was during a time when to become a Christ follower brought tremendous persecution to your life. I mean, they were kicked out of the synagogues. Most of them were disowned by their families, etc. And so they found themselves with this newfound faith, but yet they were destitute as far as the world was concerned. And so they took care of one another. That's what's being illustrated in Acts chapter 2 there. And then it says they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. It's talking about the common people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And I was thinking uh, yesterday we heard some great preaching over television. Today we've been listening to some great preaching. And when these revivals broke out in this part of Virginia, um, the Scots-Irish Presbyterian revivals of the first awakening period, early 1700s, late 16th, early 1700s, you know, they weren't overly concerned about uh, church growth models, uh, programs. Uh, they didn't major on the demographics. They didn't major on any of that stuff. And I'm not saying that it's always totally wrong to look at those things, but simply what they did, and the Spirit of God fell, was they preached the Gospel. They preached the Word of God. And we should be majoring on preaching more than church growth programs and all of this kind of stuff that's crept into the church. I heard Carter Conlon say the other day, you know, that the church wanted its smart people to run the show, and now we've got smart people running it, and the church is backslidden to, to hell. Our country's gone to hell in a handbasket because preaching the gospel will bring the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Studying demographics will never do that. Studying uh, the sociology of the church will never do that. What we need in this country is preachers that will open this old black back holy Bible, stand back and let it fly, and let God touch hearts through the preaching of the Word of God. Calling men, women, boys, and girls to repentance from sin, to turn unto the living God in repentance and receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offered on the cross. Revival can hit this country once again, just like it has in the past, but it's gonna take preachers to bring it. Preachers that are sold out to God, preachers that'll preach the truth without fear or favor, preachers that'll stand up to be counted in the day and age in which we live. And it's going to take Christians who will look out for one another, who will take up the care and the concern enough to go share their faith with their neighbors, to witness Christ in everything that we do. And revival can hit once again 
This is one of the oldest Presbyterian churches in the state of Virginia. And uh, we're here, it's a Virginia uh, historic landmark, the Timber Ridge Presbyterian. One time, this place was a buzz with revival. Many of the revivalists are buried in this cemetery. And we come here today to pray and to ask God to give us that heart, to give us that spirit, to give us that fervency once again in our own lives, that we would see revival hit the United States of America in 2017 and beyond. So from Timber Ridge Presbyterian Church, this is Brother Paxton. Go with God and He will go with you. Praise the Lord, everybody. We are back here at Falling Springs once again in Rockbridge County, Virginia. And yesterday, uh, one of the last things that we taped was over at Timber Ridge. And I, I referenced a verse of scripture, several verses in the book of Acts. I want to take another little look at that right now from Acts chapter 2. And I want to start with verse 38. And I'm going to read a lot more scripture than I normally do. But uh, as we go through here, I think you'll see why. I want to hit on these passages again, and there's certain points that I think beg to, to uh, uh, be brought forth. They leap off the page at you, and it's a very powerful word in the book of Acts. Here it is, in verse 38, chapter 2. It says, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And that, that phrase right there hits me every time I come to Rockbridge County. And I think of the legacy of gospel preachers that were in my family, and church workers and lay leaders that have been in my family. That promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that, that call there is specifically the call to follow Jesus, which the Holy Spirit is constantly issuing that call to every single human being on the face of the earth. Now, everybody obviously doesn't answer that call, but the call goes forth. So when it says call in this particular passage, that's what it's referring to. Uh, a lot of times it gets confusing in Christian circles because you'll hear people say, well, everybody's called of God. Everybody is called of God to follow Christ. And everybody is called of God to do what Christians should be doing. Everybody's not necessarily called to a five-fold ministry gift, however. That's a different use of the word call. 
but we'll leave that there for today. And then it says here, And with many other words did Peter testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. If we ever needed to hear that message, we need to hear it today. Save yourselves from this untoward, unrepentant generation. And how do we do that? We save ourselves simply by running to Jesus Christ. He saves us. And it says, save yourself. He's emphasizing the action that you must take in order to be saved by Jesus. And that action is to turn from your sins, to turn in repentance, to turn toward Christ and run to Him and throw yourself at His mercy. And that mercy is extended automatically if you simply ask for it. Hallelujah. That's a powerful thought too, is that we don't have to beg God to love us. We don't have to beg God to have mercy on us. We don't have to beg God to save us. We simply go to Him in repentance over our sin and we acknowledge that we are sinners and God has already said, I will love you. I will save you. I will forgive you. And I will have mercy on you. But we have to acknowledge who we are. We, uh, we were at Thomas Road Baptist Church this morning. A great message was, was played for us of Dr. Jerry Falwell. Who, uh, this is the 10th anniversary of his death, and he was talking about that uh, in that message. We have to acknowledge who we are. We are sinners. We, we, are, we are no good. And so that's how we have to approach God, is have mercy upon me and please forgive me, and he always does it. And then God takes those who are no good and those who are sinners and nobodies, and he turns nobodies into champions for Christ. And praise God for that. So that's all in the thought of what's being said in this text here. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Once again, that phraseology, save yourselves, it doesn't mean that you are going to give yourself eternal life. It's referring to your action that you need to take in order to be saved by Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day the same day that they heard and received the word there were added unto them about three thousand souls now that's a revival meeting right there a lot of people are talking about revival today and um, listen revival is not a bunch of christians getting together playing fast music clapping their hands and jumping up and down and uh, all, all kinds of miracles being reported. That's not real revival according to the Word of God. Some of those miracles are maybe real, some may not be, but revival is when people are one to the Savior. When people are born again, when sinners stop sinning, when establishments of sin close down, that's revival. And so this is what's happening uh, as far back here as Acts chapter 2 even. And so 3,000 were saved. And then the 42nd verse says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread, they ate together and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now there's signs and wonders, and they're being done. Those signs and wonders could be healings. They could be... Um, uh, creative miracles, they could be multiplying loaves and fishes like the master did himself, but it was always with the point 
of witnessing the salvation of Jesus to the people. And it wasn't just, again, it wasn't just a bunch of Christians getting together and, and doing stunts. It, it, there was a purpose behind the miracle. The, the purpose behind the miracle was to prove the deity and the divinity of Jesus Christ so that all men would run to Him for salvation. They would acknowledge who He is and come to Him. And God still does that today. Now there is a, a level where Christians need miracles, and that's another message. And, and God has a miracle for you if you're a Christian and you need a miracle. And God has given us what we would call a faith life. And so we get, or we receive is a better term, we receive what we need from God by our faith. It comes by faith. It comes by believing and not doubting. But as far as revival goes, as far as the gospel spreading goes, these things were done as a testimony to the divinity of Christ. Praise God. And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And this is one thing that the church desperately needs to get back to today is to actually be genuinely concerned about your brother and sister in the Lord. To have genuine care and concern so much so that you would sell something that belonged to you if you see a brother that has need and you can meet that need to bless that brother or sister in the Lord. And that's the way the early church did it. That's the way it's recorded in the Bible. That's what Jesus taught. So I don't care how the mindset is in the American church. This is how it ought to be. And this is what I've always said ever since I came into the ministry in 1981, is that the government isn't responsible for the welfare program in this country. The church is responsible for the welfare program in this country. And we should be taking care of one another. And sometimes, talking about miracles, there's a lot of times that we should be using our faith to receive finances and use our faith to receive better health and use our faith to receive from God things that we need so that we can be more service in His kingdom and blessing others in Jesus' name. So we, we use our faith. It doesn't always have to be for me. I don't always have to use my faith for me. Sometimes I can use my faith to get something for you. And that's the mindset we need to see reestablished in the American church. And then it says they continued daily with one accord. In other words, they, they were of one accord. They were of one heart. They were of one mind. They agreed together daily over the doctrine of Christ and over the things of the Spirit. And they were in the temple breaking bread from house to house, and they ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so we ask ourselves today, how do we have revival? How do we get our churches to grow? How do we get people interested once again in the things of God? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not more programs. It's not more church growth seminars. It's not any of that stuff that man can devise. What we need in America in 2017 and on beyond until the Lord Jesus comes back 
is we need a heartfelt Holy Ghost revival. We need preachers who will open this blessed book and preach what thus saith the Lord and forget about the latest fads. Forget about the latest books on how to grow your church. Preach the gospel and the Lord will add daily to your church such as should be saved. Praise God. Let's get back to preaching that hell is hot, sin is black, and heaven is pure. Let's get back to preaching holy living as a child of God and repentance of our sins as we turn to Christ to be washed in his blood. Let's preach the gospel. Let's stop giving book reports about the latest television series or stop giving a, a message series uh, of sermons in your church that's based on some reality TV show. Stop it. Open up the Bible and preach doctrine and preach theology and preach what Jesus taught and live your life the way the Word says to live it. And take an actual, genuine interest in the people in your community, not just the people that go to your church, not just your little cliques that you've known for the last 40 years in church, and so you're concerned about them, but you really don't show that concern to anybody that's outside of the circle. Don't do that. Show a genuine concern and interest in people in your community. Preach the gospel without fear, without favor. Don't cut corners on this book at all. Preach it like it says it and stand firm for the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Care about others. Give to the work of the Lord like you've never given before, and watch God pour out His Spirit in a spirit of revival in your church, in your town, in your city, in your state, and in this nation once again. So from Falling Springs Presbyterian Church here in the great state of Virginia, this is Rockbridge County, man. This is a, my family was a settling family in this county back in the early, early 1700s. This is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, go with God and he will go with you. Blessings is my prayer for you.